Hey, my name is Harrison Chaka. I'm the pastor here. And thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our podcast. This is a special message. It's the second part in our series, 2020. It's all about vision and purpose. And we want you to discover yours. So sit back and enjoy the message. I want to read us a verse starting in Mark chapter 9. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take us where I want to go today. Found Starting in verse 33, it says this. It says, they came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, Jesus asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and a servant of all. We're in a series right now called 20 20. This is part two, uh, and we're so excited you guys could be here for us. I don't always have a title for our messages, uh, but this morning I have a title, and so I want to share it with you guys. Uh, The title of our message this morning is A New Formula. Turn to the person next to you, tell them, sounds scientific. Turn to the person next to you, the other person, and say, don't worry, it's not. I, uh, anyone in this room live in Edmonton? A few people live in Edmonton. Uh, if you guys live in Edmonton over the last couple of weeks, you guys might have got a knock on your door around dinner time uh, because they're doing a census uh, in Edmonton right now, a citywide census. And this is the first one they've done in a couple of years. And so Christy, my wife, and I were eating uh, our supper this week. We had a knock on the door, and it's the census people coming to do a census. And uh, I, I preach and stuff, and so I'm always sharing facts about like, you know, like statistics and whatnot. So I'm pro-census because the statistics help me out. Uh, and uh, so I went to the door, uh, the census people were there and they just came and she's like, do you have time? And I was like, sure. Uh, they only have three questions. So it's super fast. First question they ask, they said, uh, first question is how many people live in this house? And uh, I said, two. There's only two of us in this house. Second question, uh, they said, what is uh, the month's and the year that the people in your house uh, were born. And so simply they want your age. Last question, uh, they say, what is the gender of the people living in your house? Now, uh, five years ago, it's a quite simple question. What is the gender of the people living in your house? But in 2019, not so much. And so I myself, I'm I'm a very curious uh, kind of individual. And so I start talking to the lady and I say, well, how many options are there? And uh, at this point, the lady gets very excited, and she said, well, actually, she said, uh, uh, there's more options than ever. And so I'm like, can I take a look at the options for genders? And uh, so I'm looking at the options, and I'm reading through them, and I, I noticed some, and there's some I've never even heard of what those specific genders are. And, uh, and I'm just like, wow. And the lady goes on to excitedly tell me how Edmonton uh, may actually be the first census in the entire world that includes more than just male and female. Now, I wasn't quite as excited as her, but she was super excited, and I was like, cool, uh, but it's just male and female in this house, nothing real crazy, and then so she left. Um, She didn't leave because there's only male and female in the house. She left because she was done, and there's three questions. Uh, But as I was was thinking about this interaction uh, just this last week, and one thing I've realized, uh, when it comes to, like, this whole gender thing, if there's there's one issue that gets Christians riled up, uh, it's probably this. 
I don't know about you guys, but I've seen Christian people, believers in Jesus, go to war over this issue. And perhaps I spend too much time in Facebook comments and reading things I probably shouldn't be reading, but I've just seen that this issue of gender kind of, it just, it gets people really riled up. And I was thinking this last week when this lady came to our house, I was like, well, what if I would have just like started to debate this lady? Like, what would have happened? Like, if she said, and she brought this survey, and I was like, actually, ma'am, I actually only believe there are two genders. Uh, Genesis says God created male and female. And, and, or, or maybe instead of that, I just decided to write a Facebook post about the moral decline of Canada. And I, I was just really thinking about this week, because I think that one thing I've realized that us as Christians, uh, we love to, to debate things, right? And one thing that is funny, because we live in a culture of offense, where everyone is offended. But one thing I've realized is that Christians get offended too about things. And one thing that I've realized is funny because in this story that we're looking at today in Mark chapter 9, uh, we see that the disciples are arguing and debating about something. And one thing that I want to see today as we go through this story is I believe that they were arguing and debating about things that didn't really matter about the wrong things. And, and when it comes to Christians, I think a lot of times one thing that I've realized is that we are often focused on the wrong things, on things that don't actually matter. Is anyone here this morning? Yeah. Come on. We focus on things that don't matter. And it's funny because I think that when Jesus came to earth, one of the reasons that Jesus came here was to show us a new way. And a lot of what Jesus did was countercultural. A lot of what Jesus did went against conventional wisdom. It was different. He was so different. And in 2019, I believe that Jesus is calling us to be different. But what I want to do this morning, I want to unpack, is what does it mean to actually be different? What is the different that Jesus calls us to? Because I think as a people, we often get confused as to what that different actually is. And one thing I've realized is that when it comes to following Jesus, we want to follow Jesus. But for a lot of us, we get confused. Because we think, okay, Jesus wants me to be countercultural. Jesus wants me to stand out. But when I, when I realize, when I look at Jesus' life, the way in which he called us to stand out was not always morality speaking. He wasn't calling them to stand out because of what they believed. Jesus was calling them to stand out because of how they actually acted and how they treated people, and how they lived. You see, we're in the second part of this series, 2020, and what we are doing in this series is we are talking all about vision. What is the vision that God has for our lives? What is the vision that God has for us as a church? And I believe that the vision that God has for us, the vision that God has called us to do, he's called us to stand out. And he's called us to be different. But I want us this morning to understand what that actually means. If I could put it into a sentence, I'd say this. Jesus is not so much cared about what we believe if our behavior doesn't match what we believe. You see, this is where a lot of us get confused. You see, I have a belief that what God calls us to do, the, the, the way in which God calls us to stand out, if we can actually live it out, will make an eternal impact. So we're going to go on a journey this morning. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Are you guys really ready? Yeah. All right, turn to the person next to you. Tell them you're ready. We're in Mark chapter 9. Uh, one thing, if you guys are guests here, I like when you guys talk back. Uh, the more silent you are, the more I'll get you guys to talk back. So, You don't want me to turn to your neighbor? Just start talking back to me. 
We're in Mark chapter 9. Uh, for those of you guys who are new to the Bible, uh, Mark is a book of the Bible found in the New Testament. And uh, what the New Testament means, it just means this is after and during the life of Jesus. And in this uh, story we're reading in Mark chapter 9, the context is quite simple. Jesus is walking with his disciples. He had 12 people on earth that he was like super, super close with. And these were his disciples and he's walking with them in Mark chapter 9. And the verse I shared at the onset was kind of the beginning of this journey. Um, but before this, it says that, that uh, in verse 31, it says this. He's teaching his disciples. And he said to them, he said, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. He will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. So Jesus, quite simply speaking to his disciples, he says, hey guys, I'm going to die, but it's all again, I'm going to raise in three days. And it says the disciples did not understand, and they were afraid to ask him what he meant. And so as I was, as I was reading this this week, I was asking myself, why were the disciples afraid to ask Jesus? Why were they afraid to get clarification of what he was saying? And it's so interesting because if you, if you read the New Testament, one thing that you will realize is that a lot of times Jesus speaks kind of cryptically. Have you guys ever read things in the Bible? You're like, what does that really mean? But here, Jesus is speaking plain as day. He says, I'm going to die, and in three days I will be resurrected. And, and it's funny because the disciples didn't understand it, and, and we know they didn't understand it because when Jesus is actually crucified, the disciples are sad. They're distraught. They're broken. And the Bible tells us it wasn't until after he rose that they were like, oh, that's what he was saying. That's what he meant. And so I was thinking in this moment, why didn't the disciples just ask him to clarify? And one thing that I came to, 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 to believe is that the reason that they didn't ask him to clarify is because they were afraid of the answer that he would give. You see, I think the reason that a lot of us don't dig deeper into certain things is because we don't want to find out what the answer actually is. And so that is part of the reasons I believe that the disciples didn't ask him what he actually meant is because they didn't want to find out the answer. You see, where we're going in this series is about vision. It's about what God's call is on our life. I believe this. What Jesus calls us to do is super, super challenging. The things that he asks us to do are hard. And one thing that I think that we do is that instead of getting deep into things, we sort of just brush it off. We don't want to get deeper because if we got deeper, if we understood the true words of Jesus, we might actually have to follow them. And so what we do is we get to things at a surface level. And we don't really dig deeper. We don't ask questions because in a way we think, well, if I don't dig deeper, I absolve myself from what Jesus is actually calling me to do. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? And so what I want to do this morning is I want to dig deep into the words that Jesus said. For the most part, we are going to be in one verse in Mark chapter 9 this morning. It's one verse, but it's so challenging that if we understand it, it should actually and literally change everything. It should change everything. You see, as a church, this series is a vision series for your guys' lives, but it's also a vision series because we want you to understand what we value here at Kingdom Church, what we think is valuable. And so as a church, we have three core values, and our first core value is generosity. And our idea of generosity comes right from Mark chapter 9. It comes right from the words of Jesus. We want to be generous people. And one thing I've realized about generosity is as simple as it is to say, it's so much harder to actually put into practice. 
It's hard to actually be generous. Look what Mark chapter 9 says again. It is so funny. It says, when they came to Capernaum, when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because they had argued about who was the greatest. It's so funny because I want you to paint the picture with these two verses together. Jesus has just said that I'm going to die. He has just said, I am going to sacrifice everything for you guys. Three minutes later, the disciples are like, hey, which one of you guys thinks we're the greatest here? Who's the best? And, and it's funny because I can, I can kind of, it's easy to get down on the disciples and say, like, man, like, why would they be talking about those things after Jesus has just told them he's going to die for them? But one thing I've realized is that just as people, like, I can kind of relate. We're competitive, right? It's 12 dudes hanging out. Like, I don't know about you guys, but, like, me and my brother are competitive in everything. In everything. <laughs> Like, I'm talking everything. Everything is a game. Everything is a sport. Growing up in church, uh, we had Bibles in the pews, and the pastor would tell us to go to certain passages, and we didn't give a hoot about the sermon. <laughs> I'm a pastor now. Um, but we would race to see who get the Bible passage the fastest. Right? And it was a competition. People were like, how was church? I'm like, good, 4-2. I won. <laughs> Everything's a competition. So when I see these disciples, I can kind of relate to what they're saying. I can relate to this idea there's 12 guys together and there's arguing who is the greatest because I think a part of human nature is to want to be great, right? We want to win. We want to be the best. We want to be number one. And so these 12 guys come together and they're just, I can imagine they're just, they're arguing who's the best. No, I'm the greatest. Didn't you see what I did last week? Didn't you see how much money we raised last week? Didn't you see that person that I healed last week? Whatever it may be, who's the greatest? But look at Jesus' response. And I love Jesus because Jesus didn't even hear what they were saying. It's bad, you know, like how your parents always hear everything somehow. Jesus actually literally didn't hear them, but he knew. So imagine hanging around with that for three and a half years. And so <laughs> they're arguing amongst themselves, and then Jesus comes. It says in verse 35, it says, sitting down, he's in a posture of teaching. For a rabbi, when they're about to teach, they sat down. And so when, the, when Jesus sat down, the disciples are like, here it is. He's got something to say. It says, sitting down, Jesus called the twelve together, and he said to them, he says, anyone who wants to be first must be very last and a servant of all. Anyone who wants to be first must be last and a servant for all. Listen to this, friends. It's a vision series. What is the vision that God has for our lives? You see, for so many of us, when we have this idea of vision, and, and we talk to people, what is the dream for your life? What do you want to do? For so many of us, vision in our lives, we connect it to greatness. I want to be great. I want to, I, want to, I, want to, I want to be the best doctor in the world. I want to be the best business person in the world. I want to have the biggest house. I want to have the fastest car. I want to be great. But I love what Jesus does here because Jesus, what he does is he pulls a reverse. He reverses the whole situation. He says, yeah, I get it. You want to be great. And Jesus is like, I want you to be great too, but here's what greatness actually looks like. He says, anyone who wants to be great, anyone who wants to do something of importance must be a servant to all. He must be a servant to all. You see, the disciples, and I think much like us, they had this idea that greatness was associated with prestige and honor. That's what greatness looked like. And it's funny, I was reading an article this weekend, and what it said, it says, one in every four millennials, so that's people like aged probably 18 to 30 or so as a millennial, it said one in four said that they would quit their jobs, they would stop whatever they were doing if they could be famous right now. 
If fame was guaranteed, they would stop whatever they're doing because there's this idea in our culture that to be great is to be famous, right? To be great is to be known. In order to be great, you have to be public. People have to know your name. Say my name. (laughs) And it's just, it's this idea of greatness, of greatness. I need more Instagram followers. I need more likes. I need more people to praise me. But Jesus pulls a reverse. Jesus says that to be great is to be a servant to all. Now listen to this, because I told us that when we actually dig deep into the words of Jesus, it's going to be very challenging for us. Because here's the thing, I, I think that a lot of the things that Jesus calls us to do are not just countercultural, but they're, they're counter to our very instincts as humans. Christy and I, this last week, uh, her family was at our house. We had a full house uh, for a week, minus John Stamos, of course. Um, but there was just so many people uh, in our house. No one liked that joke that much. It was a full house joke. I thought it was clever. Josh liked it. We had a full house, though. <laughs> and uh, Christy, her sister, was there and her husband, and they have three kids. And so we have three nephews. And uh, the, the oldest of the three nephews are three and five years old. And, and being up close with these kids, because we don't have kids yet, is... Um, you get to see how they interact. And one thing that I saw as they interacted was it's so funny because whenever a kid does something uh, like good, you have to praise them, right? Like if a kid ever shares, like you make sure you praise that, right? And so, and for the most part, this was this. Uh, this is what actually happened. The kids didn't share, but as a parent, you have to tell them to share, right? Like, please share your toys with your brother. And then when they do it, it's like, oh my gosh, you are the best. You're so good at sharing, you guys, parents, you guys know what I'm talking about? Because here's the thing. As humans, instinctively in us, our first reaction is not to give. Our first reaction is not to be generous. I've never met a kid that when he gets toys, is like, I just want to give this to my brother. I just want to share this with my friends. No, we have to praise them. We have to tell them, good job. Thank you so much for sharing. And it seems so elementary. But the reason I'm telling us this is because I want us to understand what human nature is actually like. And as kids, it's, it's one thing, it's with our toys, but as we get older, it's not like our nature actually changes. I think innately, we are still selfish people. Innately, the easiest thing to do in our lives is to be all about ourselves, is to be all about me, it's, it's to be like, man, this is my comfort. And so for some of us, maybe we, we don't have toys, hopefully you guys are old enough, you don't play with toys. Um, you, depends on what kind of toys, like I love action figures, still. <laughs> But there's still certain things in life that we are selfish with. For some of us, we're selfish with our time. For some of us, we're selfish with, with I don't want to help people out. Right? Like, I, it's, just, it's just me time, it's just me time. And so, as people, and, and the reason I'm telling us is because God is calling us to be completely counter to actually how we want to be. He says, anyone who wants to be great must be a servant to all. Can we see the verse again? He says, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and a servant of all. Friends, if we took this seriously, if we took this and said, this is a vision statement for my life, it would change everything. It would change everything. Because get this, some of us are saying, well, I'm actually, I'm very unselfish. You should see how much time I spend with my kids. But with the verse that he says, he doesn't see, he doesn't say a servant to my family, a servant to the people I love, a servant to the people I like. He says a servant to all. A servant of all. He says greatness comes when you are a servant of all. It would change everything. It would change everything. You know what? One thing I've realized 
why we don't do this and why Christians get so confused and why we like to debate things because I've realized it's easier to get loud about things that don't matter than to actually serve. It's easier to say, I'm against, I'm against your sexuality, I'm against your lifestyle, I'm against your beliefs. That is easier to do than to actually serve someone. And so one thing I've realized, I think we have a generation of people that follow Jesus and we talk more than we actually act. We speak more than we actually serve, but if we actually believe this, it would change everything. It would change everything. And so what Jesus is saying here, it's so different. It's so different. I'll give you guys a little understanding of the Bible real quick. In the Old Testament, someone say old. In the Old Testament, there was a group of people called the Israelites. And the Israelites, they were, they were basically, if you're trying to understand them, they're kind of like the Christians of today. These were the followers of God. And the way in which the Israelites were supposed to be is God's plan for them. would be they, They'd be so different. They would believe so different. They would eat differently. They would act differently. They would, they, would just, they would be different. And so a lot of what Israel was known for was what they believed. Their beliefs were different than the, than the people that were around them. But when Jesus comes to earth, Jesus says, I want to reverse this. I'm going to flip this up. I don't want you to be known for what you believe. I want you to be known for how you actually behave, how you actually act. Friends, this is the vision that God has for our lives. He wants us to be known for serving people, for being a servant of all, a servant to all. It's a new formula. It's a new formula. That's what he's saying. And for those of you guys, and this is about our church as well, you guys may have seen we have a statement. We have a vision statement for our church. It's whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. If you guys are wondering, yes, the Avengers did rip us off. <laughs> we had it first. Cap. It's whatever it takes. That's our vision statement as a church. What that means is we will do whatever it takes for someone to, to, to experience Jesus. And whatever it takes, it comes straight from Mark chapter 9 where he says, be a servant to all. Be a servant of all. Whatever it takes, wherever I'm needed. And Jesus, you want to be great, serve. You want to make a difference, serve. But here's the thing. A lot of what Jesus calls great, we don't actually ever see. A lot of what Jesus considers great, we as people don't see. It's like this. Uh, one thing that I love every single morning, and, and I want to kind of shed some light on what we don't all see, um, but one of my favorite things when we get here Saturday mornings early uh, is I love talking to our setup people um, or our sound people or our musicians or whoever is here early, and I love just talking to them, and I love when they say, and I'll ask them always, like, how was your week? And I've had responses like, man, my week was so hard. It was so busy, like I had to work overtime. I worked till 3 a.m. last night. It was just a rough week. It was stressful. And you're like, why are you so sick and you like those conversations? The reason I enjoy those conversations is because I'm having them here early Saturday morning. And what that means is those guys put their own comfort, their own whatever it may be, they put it aside and said, I'm here to serve. I'm here to be a servant of all. I'm here to make a difference. I love those conversations. And, and the reason I want to shed light to this is because we live in this culture where greatness is seen. But Jesus says, no, 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 most greatness is actually unseen. It's, it's what you can't see. You guys see me up here. You guys see the band up here, but we don't always see the people in the back. We don't always see the sound people, unless I call Prince and say, turn my mic up. But, but one thing that we don't realize is that without those people, we could not do what we see. Right? We live in this, we, 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 we worship that which is seen. How many of you guys, what's your favorite actor? Who's your favorite actor? Someone show someone out. Leo, favorite movie? 
Who wrote the screenplay? He's the, he's the director. Here's the point. Excuse me, super fans. We know, we know actors, right? We know, we know directors, but we don't actually know the people that do the work. People that write the scripts, right? And no, like, people are like, I love Brad Pitt. I love whoever it is, but no, not many people are like, I'm a huge fan of this screenwriter. I love the, but without the writers, the actors couldn't actually do what they were supposed to do. You see, and the only reason I'm bringing this up is because we have this idea of greatness. Greatness is something that is seen, but what, what Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying greatness is something that isn't always seen. It's being a servant to all. I want you guys to listen for a second. Just listen. Do you guys hear that noise? It's the noise of kids in the background, but it's not the noise of kids in here. And, and do you guys know why there's no kids in here right now? It's because someone, some people, a few people have said, I'm going to be a servant. And I don't have to be seen. I don't have to be, I didn't tell them I'm going to shout them out. But what they are doing is saying, I am going to serve these kids. And it's twofold. I'm going to serve these kids because I know in my life I can make a difference for them. I can be their picture of Jesus. But it's also like this. There are people that are coming to church. We want them to experience Jesus. We want their lives to be changed. And we know if there's a kid running around screaming, it might actually interrupt that. And so they're like, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to serve. Jesus says, if you want to be great, be a servant to all. If you want to be a great servant. So I want us to get past this idea that greatness is seen. Because a lot of what Jesus says uh, greatness is, it's greatness is unseen. It's those little things. And I'm not saying that, that, that what we're doing up here, if you're a musician, if you're a speaker, I'm not saying you don't serve because you do. But I want us to broaden our horizon. Because I think when it comes especially to church world, there's this idea that only pastors make a difference. Only music people make a difference. But no, 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 that could be farther from the truth. I was speaking to someone a few weeks ago, uh, or a few months ago probably, and I told him, I was like, man, uh, we started a church. I was like, we started a church. He's like, that's awesome. He's like, who's we? He's like, who's in your staff? And I was like, well, not really like, because he was thinking like there was people, like a group of us that like, was hired to do this. And I was like, no, no, no. But I, when I talk about our church, I never say I started this church. I never say this is my church. No, this is our church. We did this. Because I, I couldn't have done it without anyone else. I couldn't have done it with those people that no one will ever see. I couldn't have done it. You guys couldn't have sat here and let these chairs were stacked this morning. It's not, it's not just I. It's not just me. It's we. And so God says, you want to do great things. Serve. Serve. What's the vision for our lives? God is calling us to be generous. This is the first core value of Kingdom Church, generosity. And generosity looks different. It's in our time. It's in our treasures. It's in our talents. But every single one of us, I think we have all three of these things. All three. And for some of us, we've got more time than we've got treasures. Someone say amen. Where are my poor people at? <laughs> we got more. Where are my students at? We got more time than we have tried, but every single one, we have all of these things. And so Jesus is getting us to look at greatness in a new way. He wants the disciples to look at greatness in a new way. Uh, as I was listening to an interview. Um, I like listening to podcasts. And in this podcast, uh, the guy was saying, he's saying, you know what, for the longest time, he's like, I would always say, I want to be great. I want to do great things. I want to do great things for God. And I was listening to that, and I'm the same way. Man. I want to do great things for God. I, I want to change the world. I want to do great. I want to be great. But in this interview, he said something that stuck out to me, and I thought it was so profound. He said, you know what? I've changed my vocabulary. 
He said, I no longer say that I want to do great things for God. He says, what I say now, he says, I want to do things for a great God. I just want to do things for a great God. I just want to do things. For, it, doesn't matter what I, it doesn't matter what it is. Because when we hamstring ourselves by saying, I want to do great things for God, there, there's a lot of things that we do for God that aren't actually great. I don't think it's that like, amazing to pour a cup of coffee. It's not that amazing to stack a chair. I don't even think it's that amazing to speak up here. So it's not about me doing great things. It's about me doing things for a great God. That's what service is all about. That's what it looks like when we're generous. We're saying, I want to do things for a great God. I'll do whatever it takes. I don't care. And, and here's and this, there's one of my favorite verses in Philippians chapter 2. It puts it like this. He says, in your relationships with one another. He's like, this is how we should live our lives. He says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. In other words, what he's saying, he's saying Jesus could be like, man, I'm God. Yup, I'm God. But he's like, no, no, no. Jesus did not even consider that. He said, I'm not here to be God. I'm here to serve. I'm here to be a servant. He said he did not use that to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearances of man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, look at this. God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every other name, that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Someone say amen. In heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Come on, clap your hands, somebody. This is the God, this is the Jesus I want to do great things for. I follow his example. He was the ultimate servant. He was obedient until death on a cross. And so here's the thing, friends. A lot of what Jesus calls us to do will be invisible. It's going to be invisible. What I mean by that is you're going to serve and you're going to have no idea if you made a difference. You're going to have no idea whose life was changed. You're going to have no idea which kid you impacted when they were four years old that knows Jesus because of you. Because of the sacrifice that was made. But look at what 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says. And we're closing on this. It says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is, what's that word? Eternal. What is unseen is eternal. Friends, here's the vision for our lives. I want us to begin to focus not on that which is seen, but that which is unseen. We're never going to be able to know the smile, what our smile does in someone's life. We're never going to know what pouring that cup of coffee, we're never going to know what it looked like that day I went to the soup kitchen and I served, or that day I went to my child's school and I, I served. We're never going to know the impact. But friends, I want us to switch our focus because we live in this time where we need to see our results, we need to see everything. But Jesus is saying flip our focus to not things that are temporary and seen, but things that are unseen and eternal, unseen and eternal. Our vision for this church, and I believe God's vision for your life, is that you make an eternal impact for this kingdom, that you change someone's life. And if you guys are wondering, how come every single week people are like, you guys are always pumping, like, hey, join our team, 
Hey, start Growth Track. Hey, start volunteering. The reason that we want you guys to serve is because we believe that you have something in you that can change everything. That can change someone's life. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that message encouraged you. If you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. You will find everything that you need and so much more. Like always, we would love to see you in person. So if you can make it out, join us every Saturday, 90 McKinney Avenue. Until next time, take care.